Hello and welcome to the Alien Minute Podcast, the daily podcast where we carefully dissect the movie Alien one minute at a time. My name is John Ingle. And I'm Mitch Bryan, and today we end the week with uh, Minute 35, which begins with Kane talking about some kind of organic life in the egg and ends with the team uh, stepping onto the elevator with uh, Kane not walking with them. Today we're joined again by Caitlin Horseman. Thank you for spending the week with us. My pleasure. It's getting good now. Yeah, it gets real good in this minute. Yeah. Like this, you could say that this is the beginning of the of the real good stuff as far as having information to talk about. But uh, we open like right in the middle of our shot with the um, organic life inside the egg. Ridley Scott's little fingers moving around, and Kane um, again, something happens, and his curiosity is piqued. But here, I would say, is the first time we see any bit of hesitation. Right? He takes a good long moment. He doesn't just like dive right in and see what's inside this egg when it opens. He takes a minute. It's a very strange occurrence, I think, on any standard. So, The finally. audience watching the movie, when I saw this, there was an audible reaction. Yeah. And between the time that it opened until the end of this minute, people were squealing and making noise because everybody knew he was doing exactly what he shouldn't do and what none of us would do. Right? Right. <laughs> Well, do you think that the moment of hesitation he has, you know, we can apply it to his character as finally taking a minute, finally getting weirded out enough to take a minute? Or do we say that it's almost like leaving that moment after a joke for the audience to laugh? I mean, did they know they were going to get this big reaction from this thing opening? Let's give the audience a chance to take it in. I think that comes up later as well, this, that concept. Yeah, I think so. And then, you know, when you get that point of view shot that drifts right over the top of it, are you kidding me? Yeah. You're going to get, really, that's what you're going to do? Yeah. You're going to lean over it? <laughs> well, and there's that great shot right before that that really compares his helmet to the egg, right? There's this kind of shape match that is um, that I always find really satisfying. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, on all sorts of levels. Tell me, why, tell me why else you find it satisfying. It just, it's sort of, it's the last time we see his face, right? So it's important, I think, in that way. And just his expression and... You're sort of like, oh, no, your egg, you know, your head's an egg and you're looking at an egg and like clearly something's going to happen between those two objects. Yeah. So he leans in, um, ill-advised, Ill -advised, yes. leans in and takes a look inside the egg and what's inside the egg is, man, I mean, what, what sounds did the audience make when they first saw this? Well, it's so convincingly organic because it is organic. It is. You yeah. know, it's, 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 it's cow- it's cow guts. It's it's the lining of the of inte cow intestine, and so it's real, and we know it's real. I mean, we look at it, and it's this isn't something that you know Rob Botine, God bless him, whipped up for the thing. I mean, this is there is something that is just absolutely earthly, organic. We're back to the uncanny. You know, we don't know what it is, but we know it looks awful real and, and they, alive. They went down to the butcher shop and got this, right? Yeah. What, did they, what did they call it, Mitch? It's called Nottingham Lace. Nottingham Lace. Um, yeah, very disturbing. Very, <laughs> and again, Kane, no problem. Just peeking right in there. But as we all knew was, uh, was going to happen, uh, something very shocking and awful <laughs> occurs next. You know, the shot right before that assault that comes straight at camera basically they just blow that stuff straight at the camera right. uh the previous shot i really like too because it is this you know you've got the helmet and the egg and then there's just the tiniest creeping zoom that starts and before that before you can even 
register that there's a creeping zoom happening. There's a cut to the stuff jumping up at the camera. And I just, and there's something about it that always really unnerved me because, I mean, it's not sloppy, but it's it's arresting. You know, well, the zoom is arrested. They've kind of programmed us up to now to go along with these long, like, creeping zoom shots. We've seen a few of them up to now, including a few minutes ago when we... I don't know if it's a zoom exactly, but we push into the to the space jockey's face, right? We talked about earlier. So we're expecting, maybe we're expecting another nice, long, languid zoom, and they just cut it right where it was the most uncomfortable for the biggest shock value, I think. Yeah, and we have to really get a chance to take a good look at the egg, the face hugger, I guess. Is, is that his back? I don't know. Um, but also to really emphasize the human folly right like the curiosity will get an alien on your face i think it, i you know you said a uh, question whether it was his back or not i i think this is like a embryonic sac kind of thing uh-huh. and i think the reason you know that if you watch a movie minute one minute at a time and very slowly and you scrub through you'll see a momentary opening that he comes through which is just highly reminiscent again of an orifice or some sort of birth canal or some. I mean, we're back to that imagery again. I mean, you have to watch it very slowly to see that, but it's it's uh yeah it's it's definitely there. And the the impact of that thing, the way that they sell the impact of it on the helmet, and how it flipping knocks him off his feet, right, is also just really effective in selling the gag. You yeah. know that you could drop back that they can drop back. And we can see so much of it in all the, and it's probably only what five or six frames, you know. I don't. It's short. It's fifteen tr- frames for the whole shot for it to hit him and knock him over. But mm-hmm. it's just so forceful. And the audience, when I saw it, you know, everybody screamed. Yeah, I can imagine. And then you've got a good solid sixteen seconds of the ship. Yeah, <laughs> for the audience to this. for the audience to laugh, catch their breath, throw up, uh, leave the theater, whatever they need to do, <laughs> all of the above. Well, Caitlin, you were saying something a little bit off mic before we started recording about the sound mix um, when the face hugger appears. Um, yeah, it's interesting because it's the first time we hear the alien. We haven't really heard anything like the external sound of the chamber because all of the audio we hear comes from inside the helmets. Um, so we don't know what it sounds like in there. But when we hear the aliens, the egg open. Um, and then when the face hugger launches, it's really synthesizer sound. And so even though there's all this um, insistence on how it's an organic, it, it is an organic thing, then the audio, instead of being sort of squishy and realistic or expected, um, is this very processed, uh, mechanical kind of sound. With a certain screech at the end of it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like a processed scream. Yeah. Yeah. But at the end, after that screeching sound, though, there's another sound effect there that I never really put together. The sizzle. It sizzles. And I never, uh, you know, honestly, it was a later minute that I was watching that I started thinking about this. But um, I just took for granted that the the face hugger just crashed through the visor. But... um, it occurred to me that it might be a little bit more complicated than that, and uh, and so I decided to backtrack and did a little research, and in the novelization, and I believe from this is from secondhand sources, not in any draft of the script I have, but in earlier drafts of the script, there's talk of the alien sort of cutting its way through with its acid, and uh, in the book, 
there's an extensive scene. As a matter of fact, it plays out. Facehugger leaps up, hits his mask. This is all from Kane's point of view, by the way. Um, he, he's the uh, he's the narrator here. Right. He's seeing it sort of suctioning to the visor. He starts to hear the sizzle. He starts to see the visor melt. All of this happens before he ever falls down. And it's I, I don't think we needed all of that. But it's in the text of the movie, too. It's not just in the secondary sources because you hear that sizzle. And I think that's exactly what they're getting at. And that calls back to what I was saying in the first minute of the week about did the alien use this acid to cut its way through the floor of the ship. So uh, I thought that was interesting. I just never – we don't need all that information by any means, but it's interesting to talk about in the um, you know, context of having a minute-by-minute show. You know, this movie has such an attention to detail. It takes itself very seriously, and it pays off. It's probably one of the reasons that the movie still holds up after all these years because there you can continue to look deeply into it and you can find these things. I'd never heard the sizzle before, so now I'm excited. I'm going to go watch. Going to go watch for that. I somehow missed the sizzle. That's the first time I noticed it too, and I was looking for it. I did wouldn't have noticed it this time either. I don't think, except I kind of reverse re- research back to it. You know, no, having the information I had when I went back, I said there it is. It's not just in these secondary sources. So, so this assault, Caitlin, on the face is not it's atypical right so is that we get do we get extra scary points for that do you think i think so i mean it's the right the face is the part of cinema that tells us who people are and how to understand them and so i think it's a really it's a really interesting move and there's also the violation of the the throat phallus yeah however you want to think about it um, but yeah, but you know, obscuring the face is is the absolute biggest offense in in the movies, right? Yeah, that's really amazing, and it's amazing we're at the end of a five minute segment. So, you know, our, our the five minutes at a time, five minutes a week, mm-hmm. plays out beautifully again, leaving us uh, at a at a exciting point. Yeah. you know, for next week. Yeah, we end here with. Well, we go from that 15-second shot of the ship where we get to process what we understand just happened to a, a shot of a seemingly bored um, Ash sitting in his blister still. He's not active in any way. He's not connected to them anymore. And he's waiting. I get the idea. We get the idea some quite a bit of time has passed too, right? Yeah. Um, when we see the, the away team out here on the planet's surface, it's somehow even darker than it was before. It's ringing kind of get the idea that it might be night now that this maybe this planet has some really short days uh, or maybe they've just been gone for a long time but it's pretty perverse that after that long that long long look at the alien ship that where we would want the action to go was inside and show us what happened instead we go back to ash and i just think it's it's they really are teasing this out you know we want to know what happened and they're not going to give it to us quickly well, we get so we get Ash, and then we get Ripley, and just as the publicity prior to the movie promises, she's got Jones right there in her arms, like always. But um, I wonder if if we're not now being put back into that subjective view of mystery, where we're going to be, we're going to have no idea the way Ripley doesn't have any idea, and is this going to be our first time really being in Ripley's point of view? I'm trying to remember if we've talked about Ripley. I don't think we've ever really played with Ripley's point of view before, have we? It's been mostly going between Dallas and Kane. And so this might be our first time connecting with her and um, establishing her as the protagonist as we know she'll be. So Well, there's the shot with the coffee cup or the hero shot where she's kind of she's kind of standing there. And, and but I think you're right, because that scene precedes 
to a conversation about telemetry and stuff that we can't really understand. So, you're yeah, right. I, I would. I think you're right. I think we've now moved up to this point as close to her as, as possible, and we're going to be we're going to really be with her now for this next for this next five minutes. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. she's going to be the one that's going to make the big decision. Right. Know? I always thought it was so interesting that it's a cat in this film because cats are so unsympathetic. Usually people with cats are bad guys in the movies, right? Like think of Peter Lorre with his cats or, you know, any of the people. It's usually a sign of some sort of personality dysfunction. So it's funny that the cat in this film is is sort of set up by the publicity and by by the film itself as a kind of child stand in, um, but a really badly behaved one. Right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, this yeah. cat, this cat does not help the situation ever. No, no. Poor Harry Dean, looking for the cat, and he just gets it. That's the worst. <laughs> and he doesn't even like doesn't the even damn like cat. The I don't think we'll get to that later. But, all right. Well, do you guys have anything else for this week at all? I don't think so. Well, thank you so much for coming in, Caitlin. Yeah. It's been great. Yeah. And uh, you can find us at AlienMinute.com or follow us at AlienMinutePod on Twitter. You can uh, subscribe to us. We'd love to get a, a review on iTunes as well. Or you can go to the Stitcher app and uh, subscribe to us there. Yeah, we'll see you next week for minute number 36.